Book Second, Chapter Six of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Six Weakness. Soul and body are too nearly related for one to suffer without the other's sympathy. Mrs. Yoko mercifully shielded me that evening, merely saying that I had seen enough company for one day. My sleep that night resulted from opiates instead of nature's impulses, and so was unrefreshing, and the doctor was surprised to find a change for the worse the following morning. For two or three days the scale wavered, and I scarcely held what I gained. Mrs. Yocombe rarely left me, and I believe that I owe my life not only to her excellent nursing, but even more to her strong moral support, her gentle but unspoken sympathy. I knew she understood me, and that her mercy was infinite for my almost mortal weakness. For now that the inexplicable buoyancy which that chief of earthly hopes imparts was gone, I sank into an abyss of despondency from which I feared I could never escape. Her wisdom and intuitive delicacy led her to select Reuben as her chief assistant. I found his presence very restful for so far from suspecting he could not understand a wound often more real and painful than any received on battlefields i now could not have endured ada's intent and curious scrutiny and yet i deeply appreciated her kindness for she kept my table laden with delicate fruits and flowers the dainty little vase was replenished daily also with clusters of roses roses only and i soon recognized rare and perfect buds that at this late season only a florist could supply the pleasure they gave was almost counterbalanced by the pain their exquisite color and fragrance suggested a character whose perfection daily made my disappointment more intolerable at last mrs yocombe said richard morton is thee doing thy best to get well thee's incurring a grave responsibility if thee is not emily warren is quite alone in the world and she came to me as to a mother when thee was taken ill and told me of thy unfortunate attachment as thee said she is not to blame and yet such is her kindly and sensitive nature that she suffers quite as much as if she were wholly to blame her life almost depends on thine she is growing pale and ill she eats next to nothing and i fear she sleeps but little she is just waiting in miserable suspense to see if thee will keep thy word and live i believe thee can live and grow strong and good and noble if thee will oh mrs yocombe how you must despise me but if you knew how i loathe myself no i'm sorry for thee from the depths of my heart if thee's doing thy best i've not a word to say but thee should know the truth as emily said thee has the power either to embitter her life or to add very much to its happiness well i said if i have not the strength to overcome this unmanly contemptible weakness i ought to die and the sooner the better if i'm worth life i shall live if ever a weak nerveless body yielded to an imperious will mine did from that hour as far as possible i gave my whole thought to recovery and was as solicitous as i before had been apathetic no captain could have been more so in regard to his ship which he fears may not outride a storm i appealed to dr bates to rack his brains in the preparation of the most effective tonics i took my food with scrupulous regularity 
and in the effort to oxygenize my thin pale blood drew long respirations of the pure summer air mrs yocomb daily smiled a warmer and more hearty encouragement under the impetus of a resolute purpose the wheels of life began to move steadily and at last rapidly toward the goal of health i soon was able to sit up part of the day as i rallied i could not help recognizing the richer coloring that came into the life at the farmhouse and the fact touched me deeply what is my suffering compared to the happiness of this home i thought it would have been brutally selfish to have died i now had my letters brought to me my paper my first love was daily read and my old interest in its welfare kindled slowly work i said is the best of antidotes it shall be my remedy men are respected only as they stand on their feet and work and i shall win her respect to the utmost reuben and ada read to me the presence of the former like that of his father and mother was very restful but ada began to puzzle me at first i ascribed her manner to an extravagant sense of gratitude in one who had passed with her through peril and who seemingly had been dangerously ill in consequence but i was compelled at last to see that her regard was not open frank and friendly but shy absorbing and jealous it gave her unmingled satisfaction that i did not ask for miss warren and she rarely spoke of her when she did she watched me keenly as if seeking to read my thoughts reuben on the contrary spoke freely of her but from some restraint placed upon him by his mother probably did not ask her to relieve him in his care of me again after i began to sit up miss warren would not infrequently come to my door when others were present and smilingly express her gladness that i was improving daily indeed there would often be quite gay repartee between us and i think that even ada was so blinded by our manner that her suspicions were allayed it evidently puzzled her and reuben also that i had apparently lost my interest in one who had such great attractions for me at first but ada was not one to seek long and deeply for subtle and hidden causes of action she had a quick eye however for what was apparent and scanned surfaces narrowly i fear i perplexed her as sorely as she did me in spite of every effort to remain blind to the truth i began to fear that she was inclined to give me a regard which i had not sought and which would embarrass me beyond measure that a man can exult over a passion in a woman which he cannot requite is marvellous that he can look curiously critically and complacently on this most sacred mystery of a woman's soul that he can care no more for her delicate incense than would a grim idol is proof that his heart is akin to the stony idol in material and his nature like that of the gross cruel divinity represented the vanity that can feed on such food has a more depraved appetite than the south sea islander who is content with human flesh merely it would seem that there are those who can smile to see a woman waste the richest treasures of her spiritual life which were designed to last and sustain through the long journey of life ay and even boast of her immeasurable loss of which they wittingly or unwittingly had been the cause the oddest part of it all is that a woman can love such men instead of regarding them as spider-like monsters that were the doctrine of transmigration true would become spiders again as soon as compelled to drop their human disguise but women usually idealize the men they love into something very different from what they are 
heaven knows that i was not a saint but i am glad that it caused me pain and pain only as i saw ada shyly and almost unconsciously bending on me glances laden with a priceless gift which nevertheless i could not receive her nature was too simple and direct for disguises and when she attempted them they were often so apparent as to be comically pathetic and yet she did attempt them there was nothing bold and unmaidenly in her manner and as i look back upon those days i thank god that i was never so graceless and brutal as to show or feel anything like contempt for her gentle childlike preference very possibly also my own unfortunate experience made me more considerate and it was my policy to treat her with the same frank undisguised affection that i manifested toward zilla with of course the differences required by their different ages ada was no longer repulsive to me the events of that memorable night of storm and danger and the experiences that followed had apparently awakened her better nature which although having a narrow compass was gentle and womanly her old flippancy was gone my undisguised preference for miss warren after i had actually made her acquaintance and my persistent blindness to everything verging toward sentiment had perhaps done something toward dispelling her belief that beauty and dress were irresistible thus she may have been led honestly to compare herself with emily warren who was not only richly endowed but highly cultivated at any rate her small vanity had vanished also and she was in contrast as self-distrustful and hesitating in manner as she formerly had been abrupt and self-asserting moreover she had either lost her interest in her neighbor's petty affairs or else had been made to feel that a tendency to gossip was not a captivating trait and we heard no more about what this one said or that one wore on her return from meeting while her regard was undoubtedly sincere i felt and hoped that it was merely a sentiment attendant on her wakening and fuller spiritual life rather than an abiding and deep attachment and i believed that it would soon be replaced by other interests after my departure for my own sake as well as hers i had decided to leave the farmhouse as speedily as possible but i soon began to entertain the theory that i could dispel her dreams better by remaining a little longer and by proving that she held the same place in my thoughts as zillah and could possess no other there would then be no vain imaginings after i had gone i rather wanted to stay until i had fully recovered my health for i was beginning to take pride in my self-mastery if i could regain my footing and stand erect in such quiet manly strength as to change miss warren's sympathy into respect only i felt that i would achieve a victory that would be a source of satisfaction for the rest of life that i could do this i honestly doubted for seemingly she had enthralled my whole being and her power over me was well-nigh irresistible i knew that she understood ada even better than i did and it seemed her wish to afford the girl every opportunity for she never came to ask how i was when ada was present and the latter was honest enough to tell me that it was miss warren who had suggested some of the simple yet interesting stories with which my long hours of convalescence were beguiled but in her latent jealousy she could not help adding since emily warren selected them thee cannot help liking them i certainly ought to like them doubly i had quietly replied looking directly into her eyes since i am indebted for them to two friends instead of one there's a great difference in friends 
she said significantly. Yes, indeed, I replied, smiling as frankly as if I had been talking to Zilla. And your mother is the best friend I have or ever expect to have. Ada had sighed deeply and had gone on with her reading in a girlish plaintive voice that was quite different from her ordinary tones. Unconsciously she had imbibed the idea, probably from what she often heard at meeting, that anything read or spoken consecutively must be in a tone different from that used in ordinary conversation, and she always lifted up her voice into an odd plaintive little monotone that was peculiar but not at all disagreeable. It would not have been natural in another, but was perfectly so to her, and harmonized with her unique character. The long words even in the simple stories were often formidable obstacles, and she would look up apprehensively, and color for fear I might be laughing at her. But I took pains to gaze quietly through the window in serene unconsciousness. She also stumbled because her thoughts evidently were often far away from the book, but at my cordial thanks when finishing the story her face would glow with pleasure. And yet she missed something in my thanks, or else saw, in the quiet manner with which I turned to my letters or paper, that which was unsatisfactory, and she would sigh as she left the room. Her gentle patient efforts to please me, which oddly combined maidenly shyness and childlike simplicity, often touched the depths of my heart, and the thought came more than once. If this is more than a girlish fancy, and time proves that I am essential to her happiness, which is extremely doubtful, perhaps I can give her enough affection to content a nature like hers. But one glimpse of Emily Warren would banish this thought, for it seemed as if my very soul were already wedded to her. The thought of another is impossible, I would mutter. She was my fate. Four or five of the days during which I had been sufficiently strong to sit up had passed away, and I was able to give more of my time to my mail and paper, and thus to seem preoccupied when Ada came to read. I found Zilla also a useful though unconscious ally, and I lured her into my room by innumerable stories. Reuben and Mr. Yocomb were now very busy in their harvest, and I saw them chiefly in the evening, but they were too tired to stay long. Time often hung woefully heavy on my hands, and I longed to be out of doors again. But Mrs. Yocomb was prudently inexorable. I am sure that she restrained Ada a great deal, for she grew less and less demonstrative in manner, and I was left more to myself. Thus a week passed. It was Saturday morning, and between the harvest without and preparations for Sunday within, all the inmates of the farmhouse were very busy. The forenoon had well nigh passed. I had exhausted every expedient to kill time and was looking on the landscape shimmering in the fierce sunlight with an apathy that was dull and leaden in contrast, when a low knock caused me to look up, but instead of Ada as I expected, Miss Warren stood in the doorway. They are all so busy today, she said hesitatingly, that I thought I might help you pass an hour or two. It seems too bad that you should be left to yourself so long. To my disgust, I, who had resolved to be so strong and self-poised in her presence, felt that every drop of blood in my body had rushed into my face. It certainly must have been very apparent, for her color became vivid also. I fear I was having a stupid time, I began awkwardly. I don't want to make trouble. Perhaps Mrs. Yocomb needs your help. 
no she said smiling you can't banish me on that ground i've been helping mrs yocom all the morning she's teaching me how to cook i've succeeded in proving that the family would have a fit of indigestion that might prove fatal were it wholly dependent on my performances tell me what you made i said eagerly am i to have any of it for my dinner indeed you are not dr bates would have me indicted she looked at me with solicitude for although i had laughed with her i felt ill and faint despairingly i thought i cannot see her and live i must indeed go away so you are coming downstairs to-morrow she began we shall give you a welcome that ought to make any man proud mrs yocom is all aglow with her preparations i wish they wouldn't do so i said in a pained tone i'd much rather slip quietly into my old place as if nothing had happened i imagined you would feel so mr morton she said gently but so much has happened that you must let them express their abounding gratitude in their own way it will do them good and they will be the happier for it indeed miss warren that very word gratitude oppresses me there is no occasion for them feeling so why hiram their man could not have done less i merely happen to be here it's all the other way now if ever a man was overwhelmed with kindness i have been how can i ever repay mrs yocom i am equally helpless in that respect but i'm glad to think that between some of our friends the question of repaying may be forgotten i never expect to repay mrs yocom has she done so much for you also yes more than i can tell you well i said trying to laugh if i ever write another paragraph it will be due to her good nursing that is my chief cause for gratitude she said hurriedly the color deepening again in her cheeks if you hadn't if i know of your brave effort to get well too she told me yes miss warren i said quietly i am now doing my best and you are doing nobly so nobly that i am tempted to give you a strong proof of friendship to tell you what i have not told any one except mrs yocom i feel as if i had rather you heard it from me than casually from others it will show how how i trust you my very heart seemed to stand still and i think my pallor alarmed her but feeling that she had gone too far she continued hurriedly taking a letter from her pocket i expect my friend to-night he's been absent and now writes that he will i shrank involuntarily as if from a blow and with her face full of distress she stopped abruptly summoning the whole strength of my manhood i rallied sufficiently to say in a voice that i knew was unnatural from the stress i was under i congratulate you i trust you may be very happy i had hoped she began i would be if i saw that you were happy you are always hoping i replied trying to laugh that i may become sane and rational haven't you given that up yet i shall be very happy to-morrow and will drink to the health of you both she looked at me very dubiously and the trouble in her face did not pass away let me read to you she said abruptly i brought with me hawthorne's mosses from an old manse they are not too familiar i trust i cannot hear them too often i said nerving myself as if for torture she began to read that exquisite little character study the great stone face 
Her voice was sweet and flexible, and varied with the thought as if the words had been set to music. At first I listened with delight to hear my favorite author so perfectly interpreted, but soon, too soon, every syllable added to my sense of unutterable loss. Possibly she intuitively felt my distress, possibly she saw it, as I tried to look as stoical as an Indian chief who is tortured on every side with burning brands. At any rate she stopped, and said hesitatingly, You, you do not enjoy my reading. With a rather grim smile I replied, Nothing but the truth will answer with you, I must admit I do not. Would, would you like to hear something else? she asked in evident embarrassment. Nothing is better than Hawthorne, I said. I, I fear I'm not yet strong enough. Then, after a second's hesitation, I spoke out despairingly. Miss Warren, I may as well recognize the truth at once. I never shall be strong enough. I've overrated myself. Goodbye. She trembled, tears came into her eyes, and she silently left the room. So abrupt was her departure that it seemed like a flight. After she had gone I tottered to my feet with an imprecation on my weakness, and I took an amount of stimulant that Dr. Bates would never have prescribed, but it had little effect. In stony, sullen protest at my fate, I sat down again, and the hours passed like eternities. End of Book Second Chapter 6